1: G'day, and welcome to the Farms Voice podcast for our 19th episode. Today we've got a jam-packed 30 minutes with Tanya Chapman. She's at the helm of the Neutrano Group, based in Mildura, the heart of Australian citrus. If you're a fan of the halftime oranges, you'll enjoy this podcast. Let's get into it. G'day, Tanya. Excellent to have you on the show today. How's everything going down your way?
0: Excellent. Thanks, Jack. Um, You know, right at the tail end of our citrus season and um, be hopefully pick, finished picking in the next day or two but then we'll continue to um pack some some good quality um nice hits of vitamin c out over the next month
1: yeah i bet so how's the season how did it pan out this year compared to the last few years
0: um this year is what we call an off year in citrus so you know um we have that biennial bearing so we look at a lighter crop this year so Um, It has been a little bit on the lighter side, but on the really positives, it's been high in demand. You know, when we started coming into the start of this season with the whole COVID thing happening, I was really concerned because what we've seen over past years is that in school holidays is that the demand for fresh produce just drops off. I think it might be that parents think, oh, you know, we've been so hard on the kids while they're at school, we'll let them have treats when they're at home. So I thought with lockdown and kids just not going to school, what is this going to do to the demand for citrus? But, you know, thankfully, that didn't eventuate. It was actually the opposite. And we weren't even able to supply the demand that we have, you know, here in Australia and globally. So it was, um, it was quite a good outcome for us.
1: Yeah, sounds excellent. So for like your off years, do you plan for this as a business?
0: yeah we certainly do so um you know in at the moment i'm busy doing next year's forecast and next year's budget so you know you you have to actually sit there and say well you know in the off years where there is high demand for the produce where are we going to target most because we still want to give you know australian consumers you know the maximum that that they want but also we need to consider all of our export markets because next year when we have a much higher volume crop you know, we're going to need to use all of those export markets so we can't afford to leave them out in our off years. So it, it is a big planning exercise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a mammoth effort because I see you, like, you're drawing in produce from around Australia, maybe from like the different climates as such.
0: Yeah, so with Neutrano, we have um, farms in three different states. So our season normally starts in Queensland, up in Bundaberg region. So that's where we'll get our first um, crop picked, you know, in early April. And then we'll move down the down the coast, down into Sunraysia, where we have three farms. And then we'll be back up to the Northern Territory to um, some lemons later in the year.
1: And they're all processed at the same where they're picked?
0: No. So every one of our farms has its own packing facility as well. So we're able to literally just pick it on farm, you know, transport it the short distance, you know, to the packing shed and then pack it all out there. So, um, you know, overall, um, just in citrus, uh, this year we've produced just in excess of 18,000 tonnes of citrus for Neutrano. Um, the bulk of the, the hectares are here in Sunrasia and um, yeah, so we have about 404 hectares of um, citrus in Sunrasia. So it produces around 12,000 tonnes. So the lion's share does get produced down here in the Sunrasia region.
1: It's That's a mammoth like amount of citrus, of course. But like what products are coming of that?
0: All right, so we have, we have a, a mix. So imperial mandarins, which normally start our season, and we grow those only in Queensland and in Sunrasia. And Imperials are, I think they're classed as Australia's favourite mandarin and they're only for the domestic market. So the Australian consumer is normally hanging out for those by the time it comes round um, to to the harvest time for them. And we normally have those available around April to July every year, just depending on a little bit of seasonality. Um, Then we move on to our navels down in Sunraysia. So the navels, um, we have early navels, mid navels, late navels, and I won't confuse anybody with all of the different varieties and names of them, but um, the early navels are predominantly solely for the Australian market because there has been that lapse in Australian produce or Australian navels, I should say. But then once we kick on into those mids and lates, it's when we really do start to um, ramp up the export programs and those export programs go from... Um, China, the US, Vietnam, Philippines, Korea, you know, there's 52 countries that we can export to. And um, so we really like to make sure that, you know, we're focusing on those that really do demand the Australian quality because everywhere I go and, you know, obviously in some of my previous roles, I've done a fair bit of travel around the world to those citrus countries and none of them can ever match the colour of the citrus that we produce, or indeed that unique flavour. So, you know, that is really our selling point of Australian citrus. And, um, you know, we really do need to capitalise that on year on, year out.
1: Yeah, it's great that you can bounce off like our standards are so high and pushing the product further. Do you see there's like a different demand for each product overseas compared to domestically?
0: Yeah, there certainly is. So you know, if I look at the the Chinese market, they still have huge demand on naval oranges, but we're seeing starting to see that drop off in Australia of the naval orange, and in fact that whole demand for for mandarins. And you know, after we finished our navels, we we go into um, our murcots or afuras, and the big demand there is really starting to be for the seedless ones. So Neutrano Produce Group has the delight brand, which is um, solely for Woolworths, but it is a seedless Afura Mandarin. And so that really big push of that premium seedless fruit is really starting to show through in Australia. Haven't seen that whole seedless push as much from a lot of the countries that we export to. But um, I'm sure it will get there. So, you know, for, for our business, we are really making sure that it is top of mind. Uh, what does the consumer want, whether that be in the variety or in the seedlessness or the time of the year?
1: Yeah, precisely. So, for like um, kids' lunchboxes as such, how, like, have you had a push towards this, how we can increase our citrus uptake starting at a young age and bring it right through well, to adulthood?
0: Yeah, well, we certainly have. And, you know, the Imperial Mandarin, as I said, being that Australian consumer favourite. And for a number of years, there was that whole catch cry phrase of give me a Mandy mum. And that really was just targeted at kids. And so now we also um, do different things. And Um, in terms of the way we present the product and especially with the seedless afura mandarin is like just looking at the size of the fruit and packing it into um, kids snack bags because we realise that you know they're not going to want that big piece of fruit they're not going to spend a lot of time really trying hard to peel oranges or whatever else but a very you know nice size easy peel mandarin is very quick and easy for them to do. It's not a huge piece of fruit that will take them their whole lunchtime or recess to eat. So, you know, that's a real focus on making sure it's what the kids will actually, you know, be prepared to do to eat that healthy fruit.
1: It's amazing. Like the different ways an industry can like promote like a product such as a navel or like oranges, mandarins, getting into our like daily lives a bit more.
0: Yeah. And You know, I I started off saying that, you know, at the start of the season, I was a little bit concerned about, you know, that lack of children being at school and parents having that different focus. But I think the big push this year that we've seen with the COVID and the pandemic is that there has been a push that being stuck at home and being at risk of the virus is that you do need to eat healthier and the vitamin C push has been huge. And, you know, we've seen that go from not just, you know, kids being at home or, you know, all the way through to to grandparents. And I think where we've seen in the past, the biggest drop off in sales was actually that double income, no kids age bracket. You know, they've they're they've got rid of their kids they can now eat out as much as they like so you know those people now being stuck back at home um they've actually now got back into the whole swing of buying their fresh produce cooking at home and eating a little bit healthier so you know it's it's across the whole age brackets really
1: so with covid you've seen like a direct increase from that uptake
0: yeah um you know as I said, the demand for, for citrus this year I think has been unprecedented, and you know every message that we've seen out there has really been about you know you need to keep yourself healthy, whether that be mentally with the food, doing a little bit of exercise and so you know we've seen a real big push on um, the vitamin C intake and making sure that everybody is having that increase and um, I think it stood the season in a very good
1: stance. Absolutely well it sounds like you really dealt with COVID like quite well as an industry uh within citrus for like how you're getting these products like becoming more efficient how are you using like technology within your company
0: yeah so if i focus on the packing shed in Sunrasia, because obviously that's the one that i have the most experience with so we've we're as automated as um as we could be at the time the shed went in, you know clearly there's probably a few updates that we need to look at but so trying to get that product out in the most efficient way possible, so you know we have um, we pregrade all of our product as it comes into the shed, so what that means is we divide it all up into like things so everything that is the same size and the same quality goes into a bin. So when it comes time to pack it, we can just tip it and we can just run a whole day of filling containers of the same size product, right? So then there's automatic palletising. So it's utilising that technology to ensure that there's a much more efficient way of putting it through and there's less handling of it along the way. So what the technology also allows us to do is to then um, have that traceability through the supply chain. So I can have a look um, with with some other technology that we use. I can have a look at what time a bin was picked on farm and which picker actually picked it and then bring that into the shed and then track when it was packed, what it was packed into and where it left my shed on whatever pallet destined for whatever ship destined for whatever country so you know technology certainly come a long way and um, some of the other things that we actually have the ability to do is um, we take a minimum of 20 photos of every piece of fruit that comes through our shed you know which is no mean feat in some years but that photograph allows us to determine which market that piece of fruit is suitable for you know where's the best place to place that Um, we have our bricks reading machine so it'll tell us how sweet is that piece of citrus. So, you know, there's a whole host of things that go into determining which box are we going to put that piece of fruit in and who are we going to sell it to?
1: So how do you determine how sweet a piece of fruit is? Is that by the imagery?
0: No, it's like a, A um, yeah, (laughs) no, no, no touching of the citrus at all. It's like an infrared, um, Uh. Ray, that goes through and it reads the, the bricks and tells you how sweet that piece of fruit is.
1: That's amazing. So for like a really sweet piece of fruit, would that go overseas or would that stay? Yes,
0: it would. So the, the high bricks, we call it a high bricks program, that predominantly came out of Japan because um, their, their taste buds just crave that sweeter yep. sensation. So they were prepared to pay a higher price for a high bricks piece of fruit. We are now seeing it in Korea, there's a bit of a demand for it coming out of there. And just every now and then there'll be customers that, you know, have really got a specific niche that they want that high bricks for. And, you know, we'll be aiming to supply that into them.
1: That's excellent. Like I was standing by like what you are doing. Um, 20 images is a lot. So, but you kept busy there in the packing sheds for sure.
0: Yeah, like, without a doubt, and as I said, so we we ramp up around the 1st of May in our packing shed in Sunraysia, and we'll probably finish around the end of October, um, and in that time, we will probably look to run around just under 40,000 bins this year, so if we if we just map that out in kilos, I'm not even sure that I can read that number, it's about 16 million kilos of citrus that we will have put through our packing shed in that time
1: wow there's a lot of processing um how how are you getting like the processing through through like employment wise starting from the ground up from the pickers um it's difficult difficult at the moment especially due to COVID and getting pickers how are you addressing this problem
0: Right, so um, we, as soon as the COVID started to hit, so we're we're a big supporter of the seasonal work program. Um, we think that you know not only do these guys come in and and are clearly focused on doing good work because they want to get invited back next year, but it's also allowing us to to help them in that form of aid that they're getting, and obviously this year when COVID hit and we weren't going to be able to get that staff level. You know, we, we all hit a minor panic level, but we instantly touched all of our networks and we ended up um, coming up with a couple of solutions um, to the point some were seasonal workers, um, some were backpackers, but we ended up getting um, ample staff and, in fact, could have helped a few other people out um, with um, with all of our contacts and had certainly enough staff to... Uh, not only just get the fruit picked, but in the packing shed. But I should say, you know, our packing shed sort of has minimal number of staff because of the automation that we have. You know, um, a similar packing shed would probably have around 150 employees, whereas I have about 50. So, um, you know, automation has has a lot to, to be very thankful for in a year like this. And um, I think, you know, to me, this year wasn't so bad <clears throat> because people were in fact stuck here in Australia and they knew that they weren't going to get out so they were prepared to do that work. I think next year is probably going to be our big challenge because those backpackers that are currently here, they will get flights out. The seasonal workers that are here, they will get repatriation flights back home and it will just be, how do we get the government to understand that, you know, we still need workers to come in Otherwise, we will not get those crops picked. We will not be able to put food on the supermarket shelves.
1: Yeah, I think it's a difficult time at the moment. Um, and the whole industry needs to come together and think about how we can, especially for the, like the fresher products out there, the ones that don't have the protective layers that can survive a bit longer. Um, but within citrus, you've got that little bit of length of time.
0: Yeah, so look, there are a number of groups that have come together. And I think the horticultural industry as a whole has really come together. And um, there has been a number of um, parties lobbying government for different things, and whether that be some subsidies to bring Australians out into regional areas to do the work. But, you know, you can't force people to do this work. They either want to come and do it or they don't. So, you know, if they don't have work, and they are 100% committed to coming and doing it, Um, by all means, we should bring them out. But on the same token, we can't bring out 300 people and put them out in an orchard and, you know, they pick a bag of citrus a day. Um, That's not going to work for them and it's certainly not going to work for us. So I think it really does need to be assessed on... Um, produce by produce you know some people will be fantastic at picking mushrooms and strawberries Um, they'll be absolutely useless at picking citrus or apples or pears so I think we really need to as you say come together as a whole industry and start to make a plan of you know how do we harvest Australia's fresh produce next year because it's not just feeding Australians it's not just feeding those in other countries that we export to but every time we do export we're actually adding to Australia's economy. And, you know, we need to have exports. We can't just have imports all the time or our balance of payments and our GDP is going to be all over the place. So, you know, it's bigger than just farmers surviving. Um, And it is about feeding Australians, but it is also about helping Australia as a a country.
1: As a whole, yeah. Agriculture at the moment is thriving with the different technology coming through and also the need for good foods coming through the supply chain tra- chasing those different proteins the freshness that australia can provide
0: oh it is and you know there is no doubt that you know australian australian farmers you know for for all of the criticism that they get that they don't look after the environment or you know the waterways or anything else you know that absolutely makes my blood boil because Without looking after the land, without looking after our waterways, we can't do what we do. So, you know, we thrive on producing quality food. And to do that, we have to look after our resources. So, you know, I think Australian farmers are probably, you know, amongst the highest in the world that do that. Um, I remember, you know, when I did my Nuffield scholarship and I travelled to these 16 countries around the world looking at all sorts of agriculture and all the rest of it. And what I, what I came home with was that in so many instances, we are leading the way in everything that we do. Yes, there might be some automation, some technology stuff that we can pick up on, you know, especially from countries such as Spain, you know, the oldest citrus growing country in the world and what they're doing in their packing sheds. But some of the things they're still doing are way behind us. So I think, you know, whilst it's fantastic to travel the world and, and learn what there is, we should absolutely never forget how far up that tree we are right here in australia
1: yeah absolutely we've got the resources at our fingertips and just like ready to use them of course so touching on like your farmers it's a huge thing to be able to communicate down the supply chain of what the demand is how can you or how do you do this
0: All right. So when we work with our third party growers, um, external growers, whichever way you want to do it, but but also with our own farm managers, um, we have a number of processes in place and that starts like now for next season. So, So we'll be out there and we'll be talking to them about, you know, what are they doing on farm? What's their pruning strategies? What's their nutrition? And we'll work with those farmers all the way through up until harvest. So, you know, we We do monthly mail-outs to um, our farmers, our growers, telling them what do we think they should be focusing on this month. You know, is it pruning time? You know, is there lots of pest activity? Things like that. So we do that as a mail-out. We do pre- and post-seasonal meetings. Um, Our grower services team, you know, they go out onto farm all through the year. You know, they're always talking to them, talking about, what are we doing as a company? And you know, what are we looking for in their produce next year? Where are we seeing the demand? Um, our technical team, they go out and before anybody is allowed to send any fruit in for, for processing um, or packing, uh, they go out, they collect samples. We test those samples to make sure the fruit's sweet enough. If we're doing our seedless program, we're cutting hundreds of pieces of fruit to make sure that it's seedless so that it's fitting into that profile. Um, so there's just this never-ending communication channel.
1: For the like testing, is it just literally cutting open an orange and eating it or are we sending it into the labs?
0: No, um, we have our own lab on site and um, a couple of um, laboratory technicians, assistants, whatever we want to call them. Um, So they'll do a number of things. They'll be cutting the piece in half. They'll be checking it Externally and internally, what what are we seeing on the outside? Has it had much wind blemish? What are we seeing on the inside? Is it juicy? Is there any dry bits? Um, What's the colour like? Is it a a nice vibrant colour? We'll be testing it to see what's the the acid ratio to to the bricks, and you know, is is it reaching that sweet taste that we want? And if it doesn't, so in Australia for the citrus industry, there are minimum maturity standards that you must meet before you're allowed to sell that on the market. But on top of that, we also do the, would we eat it ourselves test? So yes, we do do the taste test, but it's not the science behind it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good job to be the taste tester, of course. Um, <laughs> so we might wrap it up there. I got a bit too excited to get down to business. I didn't ask you about your own background and your education. You said you were a Nuffield Scholar. Can you just talk to us a bit about that and like how you came through to position you are now? Uh,
0: So my background was actually business and accounting. And um, for some reason, you know, way back in 2004, um, one of my clients who was this nice, sprightly 81-year-old, I like to say, and um he decided that I spent too much of my time running around looking after all sorts of people, doing all of their accounting and book work, and that I really should look after myself and my family. So, you know, he devised this plan that I should buy one of his farms and you know I didn't have a cool four million bucks sitting around doing nothing. So look, it took a little while for the banks to to back someone who a wasn't a farmer didn't grow up on a farm and didn't really have that much equity to put in but you know we eventually did a deal and um bought this farm and um from there i then joined um the citrus industry um board which was the newly formed citrus australia um became the chair of citrus australia um for eight years and you know all the time running running the farm and then um in 2012, I was made the Victorian Rural Woman of the Year, which then opened a whole host of other doors in terms of um, political contacts. You know, as well as being the chair of Citrus Australia, and then 2014, the Nuffield Scholarship came along, and um, you know, I embraced that. And I don't think I didn't embrace it because I felt that I needed to go and learn, and I needed those contacts because, as chair of Citrus Australia, and you know, with the 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 whole um, export market and the free trade agreement with China, you know, I had those contacts. I think what I was more aimed at was how do you get more females to actually understand that they do add value to everything we do? And the females are actually the ones that can give us more input into what is the consumer looking at? Because let's be honest, The males aren't going to the supermarket doing the shopping. They're not seeing what's on offer. The females are. So I think, you know, my aim was really more that, you know, I've got, you know, four children and a stepdaughter is if I can take myself away from that and I can put myself out there to do it, then don't make excuses. You know, there's a time and there's a place. Embrace it. Do what you can and learn from it. So um, somebody came along in 2016 and said, we want to buy your farm and looked at the deal and went, okay, that's a great deal. And they're Australian. So, you know, it wasn't doing a, um, a foreign investment, which, which I'm very passionate about Australian ownership. And, um, so I sold the farm and then, um, 2018, I got asked to come along to New as a consultant to look at, um, some efficiencies in the packing shed. And then, um, last year I was asked to take over the GM role. So it's um, Hmm. that's that's my very compact story there
1: I think you like really hit the ground running um, and then like picking up these different skills in different roles and then I think like getting overseas and seeing how everyone else does it that would have been a big one for you
0: Uh, look that was huge Um, you know as I said when 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 we sit on our own farm and we sit there and we look at it and we go how do I make this farm you know whether it be grow more produce or grow bigger produce, you know, how do I become more efficient at what I'm doing? And to actually go overseas and, you know, to go to Spain um, where they're growing citrus in piles of rocks and you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, on my farm, if I didn't have soil type ABC, I wouldn't even consider it. So it really does make you think outside the box that, you know, deal with the resources you've got and you can find a way so maximize what you're doing and there is always an outcome that's possible
1: yeah well, i think you've like really wrapped that up and into your role it's really like a fitting role for you building yourself out and creating those efficiencies for you for your group but also for your farmers and just adding that accountability right through the supply chain down to the pickers to the farmers
0: Look, without a doubt, and, um, you know, that ability to have traceability, um, it also gives confidence back to to our buyers at the other end, because we're all accountable to the person who eats our produce, and we may never meet them, Um, we may never know exactly whose hands or whose fruit bowl that ends up into, but that doesn't matter. It's making sure that everything we do every day is the best that we can do to make sure that every consumer enjoys our product when they get hold of it
1: absolutely look out for the neutrino group sure that's it for the for the podcast who else would you like to hear on here and why
0: so i want to go a little bit outside the box here jack is that when yeah when i when i look at it and i think about we can all learn from what other growers do and you know i know farmers who are probably missing the most being able to go to other farms and kick the dirt One of the things that I'm really seeing so much negativity about is the working conditions here in Australia. There's always the, the minority that make things really bad for the majority that are doing the right thing. So... Perhaps what I'd like to see on the podcast is maybe some multiple chats to some of the backpackers, some of the seasonal workers that have come to our country, that have embraced it, have loved the work and have been treated fantastically and couldn't speak highly of it enough because we need to make sure that our city counterparts actually do understand that the majority of us do look after all of our resources and that's those people that we value and without them, we couldn't pick that crop.
1: Yeah, that's funny you say that. I inboxed on Facebook the Farm Jobs Australia, which is looking for picking roles. You may know of the group. Um, And just like there's a lot of shit on there that we need to remove. And just to certify like the growers on there that are wanting these type of pickers and packers um, just to improve like the overall, like to give the backpackers that we vitally need um, that reassurance that we, they are going through a decent role. It's not just filling their 88 days on farm, but they are actually making a difference in the industry as well.
0: You know they are, and you know we've been a bit fortunate. You know, in in the packing shed this year, we've got in key roles, we've got girls that have come back for the second year, and on farm we've got guys that have been living in Mildura for 12 months because they love leave, living in this region. Um, they love the way they're treated, but we need to get more of those stories out there so that you know, especially as we do come out of COVID, we need to you know, we need to embrace them while they're here. We need to. To, to get them to come to Australia and enjoy what we do. Um, yes, sometimes the work is hard, it's demanding, um, but, you know, it's it's a fantastic experience to to come to a region such as Mildura and enjoy all of that's got to offer. I mean, you know, they, they can still have their nightclubs, they can still, you know, enjoy Australian food and, of course, beer, but, yep. um, you know, the, the majority of us really do strive to look after them.
1: Yeah, well, that's excellently put. Um, happy to work with you or anyone else listening to getting those stories out there to improve our own work replacement schemes for picking and packing and even the other sectors of agriculture. Well, it's been, sorry, it's been fantastic to have you on the show, um, showing your different experiences, how you're dealing with it within the citrus industry and how you bounced back from the COVID pandemic. How can people... Contact you, and
0: all your um, yeah, they they'll find me at Neutrano. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my handle on Twitter is at Shine Empower. Um, yeah, more than happy to make contact um, if anybody's anybody's looking to to have a chat, or you know, workers that are thinking about coming out here. Um, more than happy to to chat with them.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on as an industry leader within citrus. You're the first person I've spoken to within Citrus, so that's excellent.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Jack.
1: Thanks for listening to our podcast with Tenure. Hope you can find some value in these talks so that you can go away and start to think about what you can do to improve your own enterprise, no matter what it is. Help us spread the word by sharing this episode and follow us on social media for further agricultural motivation. Visit farmsadvice.com.au